You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. We'd like to welcome back after his holidays, Vet Pete Weatherburn. Good morning to you, Pete. Good morning, Declan. Thank, thank you for coming in. I hope you enjoyed your holidays. It was a great break. And you're back refreshed. To I am indeed. On the radio. And it occurred to us really uh, here at East Coast, you know, you might have missed us while you were away. And now you're back. Um, why do you do it? Why do you come on the air to talk about veterinary issues? But that's a very good question. And in fact, it's a good time to ask because when you go away on holiday, one of the things that happens is you do kind of reflect a little bit on your life, don't you? You get out of your hamster wheel of your daily existence and you look at the hamster wheel from a distance and you go, well, what's that all about? And then you get back into the hamster wheel and you carry on. So for me, what it's all about is that I suppose why I got into veterinary in the first place is that I am really interested in animals and I want to help animals. That's kind of what motivates me. And so if you look at possible careers for somebody who has those um, desires, the obvious thing is to go to veterinary college to learn all about animals. So you fill your brain with lots of information about what goes wrong with animals, what makes them work and how you fix them. And so that's how you start out. And once you've got all that information, well, then the question is, what do you do with it? And... There is, I suppose, only a relatively small number of jobs that are really relevant, you know, that are relevant to those skills you've acquired. And the most obvious one that most folk do is to go into veterinary practice, to go into clinical practice. And that's how most vets spend their time, just working in practice. But for me, um, as time went by, I found that there's some restrictions in practice. And in particular, um, it's, uh, it's one of the things that I wanted to do when I became a vet was to, 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 to not have an office job. I wanted to be out and about. But in small animal practice, like I do, well, you're in an office, aren't you? You're in one room, more or less, all day, uh, eight to ten hours a day. And, you know, that's an office job. Yeah, but you're helping animals. You ha- you're yeah, practically you're, you're ticking getting the- your hands dirty. Exactly. You're ticking some of the boxes, but you're in an office job. And the other thing is, it's a, it's a, it becomes, over time, becomes a little bit predictable with the same routine, as in, it's into the waiting room, next please, and the patient comes in, and you talk to the owner, examine the animal, give the treatment, then out they go, and it's next next please. And I love that, I love that, but over a long period of time, over 10 to 15 to 20 years, you know, doing that every day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, you kind of get kind of... Yeah, but let's go back to the beginning again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what did you envisage you were going to do? That's but that's the, the thing. Now that's what I I, th- I originally thought I'd be doing a little bit more of a sort of general practice, mixed practice, doing a bit more farm work, horse work, and so on. But I suppose what happens is that society changes. Now, how society has changed since I qualified as a vet, which would be thirty years ago now, is it's become much more specialised. So you can't really be a generalist as easily as you could then. You you can't be an expert in horses, dogs, cows, cats, pigs poultry you have to be specialist in a smaller number and of is animals. that society or are there regulatory uh, constraints upon you that you have to specialize and become an expert in certain areas and once you are not as qualified in you're not therefore uh, legitimately able to practice well that hasn't actually happened hasn't kicked in in the veterinary world yet but it's very much led by the consumer or the owner of the animals you know if if you've got um 
uh, let's say you've got a horse, you want to have somebody who sees lots of horses and who keeps up to date with the latest developments in horse veterinary. That's what you want to see. And the same applies to any animal. If you've got a dog that's got an unusual problem, you want to go to somebody who sees dogs all the time. You don't want to see someone to go to somebody who might just see a couple of dogs a day, do you know? So that, that was one other aspect. That, um, but the other thing is... Um, there's a stress involved in clinical practice that a lot of folk don't realise, but as a vet, for example, um, we, we have to witness the deaths of around 100 animals a year. Um, that's about two a week. Um, and I'm afraid that is a, a stressful experience because those animals are people's and they're part of their family, and the loss of an animal to, to an individual is huge. If you've had a dog for 15 years, let's say a typical thing would be you might be a 10-year-old child when your dog, your family gets this dog. Then you're in your mid-20s and the dog reaches the end of its life, and you know the vet is there with you as you say goodbye. Now, you as an individual go through one of your major life traumas. You're use, losing your, your family dog that's been a part of part of your close circle. And as a vet, then, you're standing beside this person, helping them through that loss. Now, that is a big stress which I think maybe is under-recognised sometimes and it takes its toll I think on, on many vets and I certainly found as time went on after many years that it was it was a, a bit of my job which I found less comfortable than, than, than you know I, I, I didn't like it I, I'm, I, I'm happy to do it when it's needed and it's a part of the deal if you like but I, for my psyche it wasn't a good thing so that's where all this media stuff kind of comes from is that you're saying well what else can I do apart from clinical practice um, with, the, with the skills okay. and the, the knowledge that I have it's Pete Weatherburn, our vet, is explaining why he is here to talk to us. <laughs> so, Pete, basically you're saying media is light relief. It's, no, it's, it's a different way of using the skills of, that you learn at well, vet college What do you hope to achieve by coming on media and spreading the word about the experiences that you have in general practice in that room that you're there nine to five and can't get out of? What you hope to achieve is you hope to spread good quality information. That's what it's all about. A lot of the problems that I see in that consulting room, a lot of them um, start off with um, people maybe not knowing enough to be able to prevent the problems. Now, that's not always true. There are some illnesses and accidents and so on which obviously can't be prevented, but a significant proportion of them, if people knew more beforehand, they wouldn't get into that pickle with their pet. They would find that they could avoid the issue. So um, animal welfare can be helped a lot um, and people's lives with their pets can be made easier by them learning information. So my job on the radio and television and podcasts and social media is to help people by giving them good quality information. And that's really, for me, that's what motivates me. So it uses the skills I've learned at college and in practice, but it, it also um, it uses them in a way which is... is kind of different to sitting in a consulting room all day long. So well, if you've are. got this brain that is <laughs> is working away nine to five and in a way getting bored because you're you're coming across the same problems all the time, on media there must be reoccurring problems and you've been asked to explain the same ones over and over again. Isn't there a danger that the same amount of boredom and, and wish to do something else could actually happen to you? I, I, it's very astute of you to, to spot that, yes, because I do get asked a lot about why cats piddle in particular places inside the house and why dogs um, why dogs eat poo and um, why dogs bark a lot. People have the same questions they keep coming back to. Um, part of the reason for that is that there aren't actually 
fantastic quick answers to those questions. They are complicated problems. So you do get asked these ones repeatedly. But I enjoy that because there's always a different angle. Just as practice never really gets completely boring, as you mentioned, it doesn't get that way too much because every animal is different and every owner is different and every case has its own angle. And the same in the media is that people, every individual question has got its own particular background which gives it a slightly different um, interesting aspect to it. But the other thing about the media is that it's it, working in the media is like it's like going outdoors for a stroll if you like. That you one studio is never quite the same as another studio. Presenter is always a bit different. There are always other guests to talk to. It's quite different to being in one building all day, five days a week. So there you are. That's the kind of background to it. So I've come back from holiday saying, hmm, do I like doing this radio, television, social media stuff? And my conclusion is, yes, it's great fun. And I love the mixture of doing that with clinical practice as well. Thank you for coming in. And I know our listeners appreciate that too. Thank you. Pete Weatherburn, our vet. Thank you.